you always think there's an order to how you move through a company, an order on how you, you see something happening for yourself within your job structure, but then you realize, you know what? This happened so that I could get here. This pivot helped me be prepared for this new challenge. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. Honored to have Felicia Fant, who is the uh, co-CEO of Urban at Columbia Records. And um, that sounds like, uh, that. I don't think that, that title does justice to her name because she's basically been all over the place when it comes to artists. She's been in pop, she's, been, uh, she's, been, she's done uh, projects with Prince, Jason Derulo, Swiss Beats, Common, Little Nas X even. I wanna hear about that, that might be interesting. And uh, all types of people. So she's had a really broad experience within the music industry and it's just an honor to have her on. How you doing? I'm amazing. How are you? I am doing well. Keeping yourself uh, safe, safe and healthy out there in uh, Los Angeles. Yes, I feel that's all we can do. Even though every time you feel like you are safe, you start over. Like I took the COVID test, then you go to the grocery store. So then you're like, Got to take it again. <laughs> like, you know, so you at some point you just have to say, you know what, you have to just trust the process, do all you can and just kind of, you know, live your life a little bit, you know, not yeah. but also not make yourself paranoid. So I'm, I'm in that balance of just kind of going with the flow. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, um, you know, let's let's talk about how you got here. And because uh, I, I don't I don't think it was your from my understanding of reading about you. It wasn't like your life's path to know you were going to be a top exec in uh, music, but 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 your life and the process led you there. So how did how did, you started off as a English major, I think, at Spelman yeah. College, correct? And so how did, how, 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 talk, talk about how you started off as an English major and you ended up here in the music industry, which doesn't necessarily, I don't think is the, is the most uh, instinctive path. People say English major on to become a CEO in the music industry, but, but perhaps I'm wrong. Tell us. No, you're exactly right. I think that, you know, black, and as we define that word, African-American, Caribbean, African, when you are from a certain family, it's always be a lawyer, be a doctor or a teacher. Those are jobs that I think everyone understands. Um, everything else is kind of in its own category. But there was something to me that always said, I didn't necessarily want to be a teacher or be a lawyer or be a doctor, but what do I want to be? I'm now a junior at Spelman. Um, we spent a lot of money to get me there. And what is that next step? But I happened to walk into the cafeteria and I saw a posting that said CNN, CNN was looking for English and journalism majors for publicity. It's the first time I ever heard of publicity, didn't know about it, um, you know, didn't even know it existed. But I took that internship as an English major and found out that I could be a publicist. Um, you could honestly say, oh, maybe she wants to be a sports, you know, caster, a journalist, anything like that, which are things that I started to think about. But the thing publicity kept sticking in my mind. So I took this internship, which also led me to do an internship at UPS Corporate, which again was a publicity internship, but for corporate. And when I say that, I want to make the distinction of working with artists and then working for the corporation's publicity conversation. Um, Leading that job, I ended up getting a random job with Evander Holyfield with one of my pro fights. Um, I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. Okay, Cap Alpha Psi. Hey, okay, new. So she allowed me to work on some events with Evander Holyfield. So at that point, I knew that there was this thing called publicity. I just didn't know how it was going to segue into music. And I bring that up because following that last internship with her, I got one lucky shot to be the radio intern at hot 97 under shaka zulu 
and Chris Lover Lover, who is now ludicrous. And so that was the idea of music, but still didn't know how to get into the music business. So right. now you're dealing with 1996 through 2000, it's Outkast, it's Goody Mob, it's the music scene. Is oh, I remember that night. I remember that in the 90s. Yeah. Bass records is popping. So now you know there's this music business. You hear these names of Shanti Daz and KP and all these different local Atlanta legends, but you still don't know how to get into that system because here I am in Marietta, Georgia. I'm not in Atlanta. I'm not in the schools. I'm not growing up with the talent. I just know this is happening. So following that internship, at the radio station and then working for Evander Holyfield, I knew that the music business existed. And I think that's something a lot of kids don't know, that there is a, biz a business of music behind what we had then was a CD. And you see this address that says 1755 Broadway, but not knowing that this is the building where everything is happening. I'm thinking that's where the CDs are being made. At any rate, I land an internship opportunity slash paid opportunity with Evander Holyfield. And I meet this woman who does PR in New York. And so right. I'm like, it. Everyone has moved to New York. All the labels are moving there. This is Arista, this is Universal, this is everything. I'm gotta get to New York if I'm gonna be in the music business. So I moved there, Rob, and I found that this woman is fraudulent. Um, he applies for credit under my name. The company closes. Immediately, maybe eight weeks after I moved to New York, I'm living with a this friend. This is the woman that recruited you to go to New York. Yes. To take this great opportunity. Yes. <laughs> and she committed yes. fraud, I wow. Like I have to tell Ooh. the I have to tell the truth because I think people think you just jump into these things. So again, yeah, it's, it's not a linear. I was gonna, it's not a linear process. It's not linear. My, I'm an only child. My parents are like, "Oh, you're coming back home." I'm like, "Nope, I'm not coming back home because I have been in Georgia all my life. I love that I went to Spelman. I love that I followed the legacy of my mother, who also attended Spelman. But I have to figure out what this is. I'm in New York now, and now I'm excited because it's just a different world. It's a different, you know, community of people, and I want to figure out how to stay there. So. My roommate at the time was working at IMG, which is a modeling agency. And I'm still like, well, um, I don't have a job now, but I'm not moving. So again, I was afforded the opportunity to at least be able to stay there because I could stay, we were staying at her parents' house until we found an apartment. So she would go into work and I would go in too. I would suit up, I'd put on my suit, I'd have my resumes ready and I would sit at Starbucks and just start sitting on my resume in hopes that I would find a job ASAP so I wouldn't have to go back to Georgia. And I signed up for a deco to be a temp. This temp position allowed me to work at New Line Cinema about three days a week. So I am now temping at a deco. The deco is a, a placing me at different companies. They have me at pharmaceutical PR. I'm like, look, guys, I, I want to do entertainment PR. I don't want to do anything but entertainment. I have my internship. I know I want to be. Please stop placing me anywhere but entertainment. They were like, you know, just just stay tight. But we did get you a in a a temp position at new line um, cinema. So I was temping there two days a week, which was great because at least I was getting the experience of film, but I still wasn't sure how I was gonna get back into the music industry. Right. So I'm at Starbucks. I started looking up PR firms that handled music. This name comes across my, um, my desk and it says Terry Williams. Terry Williams is a longstanding black publicist, has worked Miles Davis, Eddie Murphy, and when you are 22 and kind of relentless, you just go for it. So I had my resume, I had my suit, I knocked on this woman's door and her assistant came to the door and she was like, do you have an appointment? I'm like, I have no appointment, but I know she's a great publicist and I wanna work here. Fortune and, favors the bold. Right, Rob? So I go to the door, she, she walks up to me, she's like, you are interesting. She looks at my resume, she's like, look, I'm not hiring, but you can come and sit with me for a week. So I sit with her, um, 
And you just kind of hear her make these phone calls. You hear her talking about pitches and you get this kind of like firsthand experience of what she's dealing with. And then she sends me on my way a week later with a letter of recommendation and a book called A Personal Touch. What that meant was learning about people beyond just the surface. Right. Back up there because you said a lot there. And I think as you think about the process of somebody who is 22 or someone's just beginning a journey, and they look at this and they're like, well, you know, that, that's a that's a lot. Things didn't go any way you planned. It sounds like you probably didn't plan on doing a bunch of temp work, going here to there, doing temp work for far, for pharmaceuticals, being, uh, you know, living at your friend's house. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think was the most important lesson during that time? That's my first question. And then if you can go back to your younger self, the second question, you can go back to your younger self and, you know, write out of Spelman or maybe write during Spelman. What advice would you give to yourself with the knowledge you have now? And what advice would you ignore? I know it's a lot of questions. So, The advice I would ignore is to have a plan, Rob. And when I say mm. that you can have ambition and not have a plan, I think people confuse the two. Um, you don't have to have a plan to be ambitious. You can still have goals. You can still have dreams. But I think the plan makes you feel like there's an order to a process. I'm going to get married at this time. I'm going to have yeah. I'm going to have a house at this time. And there's really no plan to that. Yeah. Timelines, timelines are false expectations that set you up for disappointment saying you have to do this. You have to do that. I've been victim of that for myself. I know because I've, I've, I've always set these timelines and goals. And then if you don't hit them, it's like, well, you know, is your life over? No. I mean, timelines are, are really false expectations that we set on ourselves. You're absolutely right. Exactly. So my younger self would say, stay ambitious, but also stay open to going with the flow. Um, trust that as long as you continue to try for something, as long as you stay persistent in a goal, that it can happen, not at the time maybe you want it, but also those timelines sometimes protect you. I mean, not having a timeline sometimes protects you. I think you always think there's an order to how you move through a company, an order on how you you see something happening for yourself within your job structure, but then you realize, you know what, this happened so that I could get here. This pivot helped me be prepared for this new challenge. And so my younger self would say, stay ambitious, stay focused, keep knocking down doors, but be okay with not having everything in the order you thought it should happen. Because the order would not have had me temp and then finally land a temp position at Universal Records, which led me to having an assistant position um, at the company. And even then, I still was not a publicity assistant. I was someone who was on the floor, which meant that people liked me, they liked my energy and they would rotate me out. So I could be in the radio department one day. I could be in the sales department one day. I could be in the president's office as a second assistant one day, cutting apples, which I did, and oh, wow. putting peanut butter on toast. But you do all these things because you recognize that you're now in the place you want to be. And part of being in the place you want to be is also being humble enough to learn the lessons that get you to the top. You know, it's not a sprint. So you need to know all the things that make a company work and how they function. So don't be so eager that once you get in that you step over the lessons because these things taught me the fundamental principles of the record label by being in all these departments before I landed the PR position at Motown Records where I stayed at university for 10 years to start my career. And you, you, you discussed that uh, in some articles that I can't remember or something I, I, I listened to you about um, as I researched. You, you said that as you do these jobs, jobs like a temp, don't just see it as a job, but see the end result and all the things that matter, all the connections that you make. How did that, you know, you, you've gone into it some, but can you think of any moment that sticks out that you, you, you can really see that the past work you did 
or the things you did, the, the level of detail uh, and the attention you paid to the relationships and to the work you did really help uh, position you for greater success? I mean, can you think of a moment that was really like pivotal that you just said, wow, all, all the things I did and this really helped me. Had I, had I not taken this seriously, I might've actually missed my opportunity. Um, there's a couple, you know, I think I always kind of position it to artist experiences. You know, I okay. can think about Andrew Day who was not necessarily winning at radio. When I say winning at radio, the song Rise Up was not something that stations were, you know, running behind to play. But when you think about relationships and your Rolodex and the people that you meet over time, it causes your brain to pivot and say, you know what, if I believe in something, what other things can I do? Because everything is not formulaic, you know? So how can I take these resources and take my journey and my experiences, A, being a black woman, um, a woman who deals with natural hair, a woman who, who understands social injustice and all these things and understand what her song means and how this song can then relate itself to the current situation. Yeah. And when you think about Rise Up, you think about it as an anthem for change, an anthem for opportunity. So instead of worrying about if she could get played on radio, I made sure that I started to place her in events, um, charity organizations, moments where the song could mean and stand for something beyond what the typical song is supposed to stand for in a institution, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was, it was taking her to different places, thinking about things like CNN Heroes, where they look for songs that, again, are about hope. The ESPYs, thinking about people who use songs in the memorial portion to say, you know what, we rise up. Breast cancer, all these different organizations that saw this song as a change, as a, as a moment where they could come out on top, where, where they could change the narrative in their head to be something better. So, so instead of thinking about the song as the thing that would hold me back, I thought about how the song could help people and look for organizations and people that could benefit from hearing the song or using their song in their platforms. I, I hope that makes sense. It makes um, sense. That's kind of what I'm saying. When you have to pivot, when you still want to win and you still want to see yourself um, move forward. And then again, when you attach yourself to a project, you know, you're only as good as the project that you're working on in industries like this. So how do you stay relevant? How do you move the needle? How do you realize that your job can go beyond which, which is strictly PR and start right. to recognize what it means to evolve and take your own self out of a box to become that, a that actually That actually is a good transition to another question I have about being typecast. You're obviously a black woman uh, in music. That's a, you know, I don't know how else to say this. It's a, it's a treacherous industry for women in general, particularly for black women. I just think it is. And it's easy to get typecast. It's easy to uh, I think following the landmines and you've avoided most of those. How do you think you have done that? And how would you advise black women that are coming into this industry right now, given your experiences? It, again, there's, there's a lot of levels when you say landmines, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I left that open vague. There's a lot of levels to it. I mean, <laughs> you can pick. I, I think the first you can thing. Pick, like you can easily get typecast as, Oh, you're just going to focus on rap music. You've obviously not done a lot more than that. There is the traps of, and there's, the, you know, there's a, obviously there, there's, a, there's a lot of misogyny in, in, in urban and rap. We can be clear about that. There's some great things, but it's easy to get trapped and be into a box because you're a woman and you, you're, you're, you're a corporate executive. I'm sure you have to deal with all these things, but you've come out on top. Those are things I'm asking about. Like, how would you advise someone to, to not, to not to figure out how to, to not be typecast, but then also how to navigate the unique position 
that it is to be a, a, a black female in the industry that you're in. Does my question make sense? It makes sense. I just, there's so many points that I can- I know there's a lot. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> well, let me go back then. So okay. when I go back, I can start with the first position of not being typecast. So as a young publicist, I started with a white boss at Motown. And you know, that's the first thing. You come from Spelman College, you are in a very predominantly black environment. You go to Motown and you think that your boss is gonna look like you and she did not. And what was beneficial about the boss that I had is she knew when she told me, if I don't assign you to certain projects, you will get boxed in because there's an assumption that if you look a certain way, that's the only thing you should touch. So she blessed me at a young age, and I say blessing, and I would say almost, I won't say curse, but blessing is that my boss was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 25. And it hurt me because I remember the phone call that day when she said, Felicia, um, I've been diagnosed and I'm not going to be in the office for a while, but I want you to take this project and her name is Jojo. And Jojo was a young white girl. She was 13 years old. And that was the opening, the door for me to see that I could work something that didn't look like me and that I could not only work it, but I could also break it and make it big. And so that opportunity allowed me to first say, you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. As a person of color, you have to be willing to take those challenges. And while I think rap and R&B and, you know, hip hop, black music, the diaspora, we are everything. There are labels attached to our music. But having the opportunity to put myself on a project and find myself in rooms that were hard, I would often be considered, oh, are you her stylist? Are you yeah. her artist? Are you her assistant? All the things that couldn't define me as, no, I'm actually her publicist. I'm the one that called you to get her on this TV show. So whether it was Fallon, whether it was Ellen, you know, whether it was at the time Ryan Seacrest and all the different shows that existed, it was interesting being a young black woman coming into a room with a young white woman and people not giving me the authority. And so you yeah. have to learn how to take your stance. You have to learn how to take your position. And you also have to be willing to take the risk to do something that might take you out of your comfort zone, which was working JoJo and working Amy Winehouse and my boss telling me, hey, I'm going to put you in the rock publicity department now and you're going to work three doors down and Godsmack and all these things that you would never have thought you were interested in because you may not like it. And the thing about growing past your comfort zone is saying, I may not like it, but I can still work it and I can still touch it because I want to learn the fundamentals of all these types of music and how they all work together in one system. Because again, the music business is one system. You can't think that you can survive or grow in any institution and not learn all parts of it, even if you're an expert at one part of it. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that, that's a good answer. I would say uh, you, you also talk about the ability to change your brand, but remain authentic. And so, and, and that, and that's very important. You've, you've believed to your success. How does one balance that out? Because it's a, it's a, you know, there's, there's, you have to balance rooms where you, you know, case in point, you just brought up the point that people thought that they would they, ne they never took you seriously as the publicist, that you were her hairstylist. You, you couldn't be the person actually making the decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and you, how do you, how do you, how do you be your authentic self, but then also figure out how to communicate in a way that's receptive to people that may not accept your authentic self. So there's this balance of how does one go about that in, in your life when you're in a industry that can be corporate. That's not just music. I think that applies in a lot of industries. Uh, how do you go about navigating that? And how do you, um, I guess, you know, just go through that process as someone has to go through that all the time when you're, when you're black and you're a woman? Well, it's remembering why you're hired. And I remember that I was hired because I was black. 
I am a woman, but first and foremost, I'm an expert at what I do. So if you can take yourself back to recognizing why you were hired and remembering that you were qualified, then you will show up as yourself. I think often you get off track. You know, every day is not perfect. You might not make the best decision. You know, your, your idea might not, might not be the chosen idea, but you still have to understand in all of this that you got to this position because you earned it. Um, you got to this position because you, you worked hard for it. And again, because you are the best at what you do. And also recognize that while you're the best, there are ways to grow and evolve. So that's understanding your brand, but recognizing that your brand can evolve because there's more to learn in any position that you're at. But I have to tell myself that I'm here for a reason. I'm here to make a change for a reason. They are asking my opinion because I have proven time and time again that I can make decisions that come out for the greater good of the company, but the greater good for the artist, which is great, which is the greater good for everyone. Right. So at any point where, where you start to question who you are, that starts to get you off your game. It's like yeah. when people say you're not at your fighting weight. So you have to remind yourself that, hey, they may have an opinion, but I have one too. Now, how do I voice my opinion is, is up to me. How do I handle criticism is up to me because there are moments where you will be criticized. But recognizing that the history of, of your journey, um, the experience that you had that got you in this position are there for a reason. You know, just as I talk to you, you know when to segue me, you know when to pull me back in, you know when to take me places. And I have to trust the process that you're giving me in this journey right now because this is, you're an expert at what you do. You know, right. I, don't, I don't talk to people every single day, you know, on a podcast, but I trust that because Rob does, I'm going to trust his journey and trust his expertise to guide me where I need to go so we can get to the right destination. And that's okay. with any job. But you trust yourself and trusting yourself because you and being authentic. How do you, I guess, make sure that you are in tune to your authentic self? Because as it sounds easy, but it seems like a lot of people have a lot of trouble being authentic and understanding what they're missing is I think it's beyond your work and beyond your expertise if, if I remember a line that you, you talked about um, the fact is when you when you deal with artists you don't just say okay let's sit down figure out how much money you can make you want to know um, what's their I legacy from I yep. want to know where they want to go I want to know what they mean when they say they want to build a brand why is that important to you why is that part of your authentic self is part of my question um, it's because I have a job and a responsibility to to also say some of these artists are coming from backgrounds that don't allow them to know what they need or what they want, you know? And if I'm sitting here in a position as a person of color that they may look to, it's my job to, to be real. It's my job to be honest. And it's my job to figure out how to take them to the next step and how to unlock that best potential. But I can't unlock that potential in them if I don't continue to lock the best potential in myself. Yeah. If I don't do my homework and research to understand where they come from, you know, what experience has gotten them here, how they've shaped their lives, and how can I help them elevate in their careers? And if I don't look and see what the climate is, you know, how are people responding to this music? How are people responding to this type of individual? You know, is it easy to be a woman of color in the music business? No, but is it easy to be a young black man from the streets in the industry? No, you know, it's not so simple to say, here's a check. It's understanding, do they have the tools to continue to be successful if they don't have a hit next week, you know? Yep. So my job is to develop more in them than just saying, hey, here's the record and let's promote it. Like, what do you want to stand for? You know, right. what do you want your legacy to be beyond music? You know, do you, do you want to have a family? Do you want to have a business? You know, do you, do you, you have kids now? How do you make sure that they go to college? 
How do we want to start? Do you want to start a charity? Like, do you want to give back to your community? Like, what is important to you? And I think these are the questions that I ask because that's how you really build a brand around an artist. You find out all the things that make them tick. You find out what makes them get up in the morning, what, what they're striving to do. And you know, not everybody is going to have that. Everyone is not going to be the next Pharrell, the next Andre 3000, the next right. you know, Kendrick Lamar. So you don't want to put pressure on anybody, but your job- That's already taken. Kendrick Lamar is taken, Jay-Z is taken, mm-hmm. you're not taken. And, mm-hmm. and it, I think it goes to that point of uh, understanding when you talk about how you can be good at helping artists navigate them, uh, navigate the waters, develop their legacy, develop their own authentic brand is first because you are, are confident in who you are and you've gone through, I'm sure, the painful exercise of, of, of figuring out what you're good at, what you're not good at, good at, understanding what you're actually passionate about and making sure things align around that. So uh, I, I, think it's, I think it goes to, if you wanna be authentic, first you gotta really go through, uh, I think a, a brutal internal exercise of mm-hmm. self-assessment, which means you got issues. We all got issues and you, gotta fig- and you have to figure out what your limitations are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can help others because you can be attuned. If you, if, you, if, you, if you can listen to yourself, you can be attuned enough, I'm dissecting what you said, to actually help others. And that's how you are authentic, it sounds like. Can you think of a good, can you think of an artist that has done that well? I think you talked about Erica Perdue and about how she, she was, uh, everybody told her that she shouldn't present herself in that way and she was comfortable with who she was. Can you talk a little bit about that story? Because I think it's very interesting. I think you. It actually wasn't Erica, it was Andra. Um, okay. I did work with Erica Badu and I think that, you know, working under Kadar Massenburg, who was one of the first black male presidents coming out of the, the very gory, very Gordy era and all those people, he discovered Erica Badu and D'Angelo. Um, okay. What he knew was that Neo Soul mattered. What he knew was that there was a there was a resurgence of what you might want to say black power or black um, enlightenment. And it's like Erica, that's coming back again. But go ahead. <laughs> at the forefront of that. And so Erica and this Neo Soul movement, Indie all these people who wanted to show you Jill Scott that being natural is okay. And I think that goes back to when you talk about me and my authentic, authentic self, I have to be okay with my complexion. I have to be okay with my different hair type. And yes. part of that exudes who I am, but part of that also is entrenched in the type of artist that I work. So when Andrew Day said, I wanna wear this scarf on my head and people thought, oh, well, is that attractive? Is, is that what she should be doing? We had to let people know that that was actually rockabilly culture. And if she wasn't trying to dress like a maid, or an Aunt Mama, that actually she was part of an evolution of, of enlightenment and what she wanted to wear. And I, when I yeah. say that about Eric, when I say that about NDIRE, when I say that about Andrew Day, anybody that does not dress the way society thinks you should dress, if you don't you know, have straight hair, if you don't want to wear makeup a certain way, and again, I'm not judging anyone because I think, again, no one's monolithic. I think every sure. type of female should be in the industry what I'm saying is when you do not fit status quo, there can be certain challenges that you face. Sure. People like Erica said, nope, I'm going to wear this wrap around my head and there's going to be people that follow me. And Kadar said, yes, you know what, there will be. And they did. And yep. so you understand. And what we're still learning is that black people are not monolithic. You know what I'm saying? Not at all. So many, not at all. So many things that make the diaspora up. So what our job is, is to bring all those different manifestations of kingdom and queendom into the industry and show people that, People will consume music as long as it's great and yep. cannot change someone's image um, to, to fit a box that, that you're comfortable with. That you yeah. have to allow every type of imagery 
to to be seen because there are people that relate to that. So Absolutely. that is a story about Erica or India or Andrew Day or anyone that I'm working is who do you want to be? Because people will show up for you if you are who you are. Yeah. What the old rule in marketing, if you market to everyone, you market to no one and knowing your market is, is really key and trying to just fit into some general boxes that, that that's nothing. That's everybody. And, and, um, I think and the consumer like, feels that the consumer feels when you're not authentic yep. the consumer feels when you're not real. So it's better now to just take that risk of being your best self and seeing who shows up for you. Because if you don't do that, then your art starts to change. And then once your art changes, then what are you there for? You can't even present yourself the way you want to present yourself. So I think that's the kind of ebbs and flows that we deal with when, when learning who we are, but also projecting who we are. And then as I look at you, be comfortable. I'm like, you know what? I can be natural. I can, I can be dark and I can, and I can be beautiful. And those are things that yeah. I have to always tell myself in these places. And I can tell the young girl who does not look like me or does look like me, this is okay. And you yeah. can succeed by looking like this. How would you advise someone in a situation, uh, and I'm sure you've gone through this because you're an outside the box thinker as you've articulated quite well. Um, but there are times when you can always, you can think outside the box, be outside the box, but someone wants you to do something in a certain way. And it, you know, you, you, you want to go rogue, but possibly you can't. Like, how do you talk about the balance between figuring out how to think outside the box, be an innovator, be a disruptor, but then figure out how to actually create that change within a structure, within a culture that may not be ready for that. How do you, how do you do that? Do you leave or do you figure out a way to create the change from within? I mean, you don't. Not, that makes sense. My question. I think so. You don't always have to leave. I think when I was in my last situation, I think that's kind of how I evolved from just being a publicist. I've, I'm a publicist by trade. I was that for 20 years, but I recognized there were different parts of me. There's different things I wanted to explore, and I thought that I could bring different things to the table than just publicity. I felt that I was marketing. I felt that I was branding. I felt that I had a very holistic view of how I saw artists, but if that does not work for that system, if, if, there, if that hole that you want to fill doesn't want to be felt, then filled, I'm sorry, then maybe you do have to, to move on. You know, everybody doesn't want your expertise. Everybody doesn't want to see you evolve. And so you have to tell yourself, am I happy being here or do I see other things for myself? Luckily at the time, people liked the fact that I was interested in doing other things and it helped the institution that I was at. But at the same time, as soon as you see that ceiling, you have to say, is it time for me to move on from this corporation? Because now I'm starting to hurt myself. Anytime you start to, to question your natural gut or your instinct, or you start to feel trapped, that only hurts you. So mm. I have felt trapped plenty of times. And so I pivot or I may add things to my plate. And again, some things you don't necessarily talk about right then. Maybe you try it out on the back end and then bring it to the front end, you know, everything is not about knocking and making a loud noise. You know, sometimes you have to prove what they say, proof of concept. You have to give things a chance. But I recognized in my last job that I wanted to be more than a publicist. And so they added lifestyle marketing to my, to my um, title, which again, showed me being a multi-hyphenate. Right. I took a course at Harvard Business School, which was BIM, the Business of Entertainment, Music and Sports. And you start to recognize that it's okay to not be one thing. I think you grow up thinking that you have to make a decision, but as you grow, you learn, you observe, different things start to attach themselves to you. So I've been able to take that to my position now as um, co-head of Urban at Columbia and say, this is why these skill sets matter. This is why being in a box was 
necessarily not the word I want to use, but I knew there was something more for me. Um, right. I think box does sound limited, and I think some companies will put you in a box, yeah. but their job is to figure out. Is I mean, people naturally try to put people in the boxes. It is a natural thing for people to do, and uh, people allow themselves to be to conform. And it, 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 it's very what you've done is amazing because it can be done. I'm glad you, you've done it, but uh, you know, pushing back, knowing who you are, when people say you should be something else, is is, is a journey. It's a it's a continuous process. Um, speaking of that, you know, you, you've done some work with Little Nas X, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and he's definitely someone that. I don't think fits into a box. Yeah, that, that people don't think of in a box. Though I must say, there's a lot of black people in country music. Country music was originally black. A lot of people don't don't give us credit for that, but it is. So we can go down the list. Yeah. Yes, we can go down the list. But but currently, when people think of music that is quote unquote black, whatever that means, um, they don't necessarily think of country music, or they, and, they, and they've never heard. I think he said the term. He called it trap country music, which nobody. What is that? Right. That's something. <laughs> The song was trap, just that particular song. You know, if you listen to his EP, it's an alternative EP because he borrows from every genre, which is yeah. what we are trying to say about where we stand. We are not monolithic. And I think you, you pretty much explained it with the question. Um, when you see an artist that you know is, is more than, it's your job to present opportunities that allow them to flourish. And so we knew immediately that he was a genius, that he was more than just this one song that happens to be the biggest song of all time, but he was more than that because if you speak to him, you understand that he had different influences. So unfortunately, often our skin tone allows people to say, this is all yeah. you do. Yep. What you said, it's the lens that society has put on us that we have to constantly say, hey, I'm gonna take this away again. I'm gonna show up again because there's so many layers to who we are as people, as people of color, we are, we are complex. We are, you know, a person, I'm from the South. I don't know much else because I don't know all of my family history, but you don't know all the things that, that make you up. And right. I think that what we have to continue to do as executives in this industry um, is, is push that envelope and show that these artists are, are happy to be black. Let's be clear, but they are not yeah. happy told that they cannot experiment and that their music cannot being separate. black doesn't limit our capacity our our, our ability it just means we're black that's, that's it, it. <laughs> that's it yep exactly. uh, that's what it, that's all it means, that's all um, it means. so is, is there <laughs> what advice do you have in terms of developing a brand or or just being successful in particular so are there are there any habits that you do that, that are just foundational to helping you be uh helping you be your authentic self, helping you be more successful. For example, I mean, I make sure I part, part of me working out every single day is really, really important for me trying to meditate in the morning, getting centered. Um, I mean, there are certain things that are institutional habits. I think that help me become more successful. Do you have anything like that? that are institutional habits for you that, that have guided your career? Um, it's, yeah, I definitely agree with exercise. I definitely agree with, you know, with, what you say in meditation, which is something I started doing recently, I still want to do more of it. But it's also, I am very much into being part of thought leadership groups. I join a new group all the time um, because I want to hear perspectives. And I think that is what keeps me at the pulse, you know, and some of these groups I actually cannot um, announce, you know, but I, what, I, what I'm saying is that whether it's an entertainment group, whether it's a, um, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is there's different thought leadership groups. So within that, they have different principles. Um, there's a group that I went on a trip with called Reality. We all went to Israel about 
it was 2016 yeah. I, that I might not have taken, but I took that trip to be among, among music thought leaders that were in different disciplines. Um, I am the chapter advisor for the Recording Academy. When you're sitting there, you're hearing from different people in different genres, in different histories um, and disciplines of how they see music and how they and how they understand music. And before I was an advisor, I was still in the membership committee. I was still in the urban leadership committee. So what I'm saying is I, I join a lot of communities so that I continue, continue to enrich myself, but also hear the stories and what's going on in the industry around me. It's hard to move and develop and grow when you don't understand what's going around you in different conversations. So I, I pride myself on joining communities and organizations that allow me to, to have true dialogue, um, understand the real problems so we can find solutions yeah. and, and hear from people who are not just me on the business side, but the creative side, because the creative conversation is much different than the corporate conversation. Sure. So, so it's important for me to, to align myself with different organizations. She is music. Um, when I was in New York, a friend started the Ween Academy, which helped get, you know, young, young black women into the business. So, so kind of doing different pockets of leadership development, volunteering, um, at Spelman, I brought back the Entertainment Summit, you know, with yeah. a group of 17 women because we wanted to say that we didn't have the easiest route to get to this job, and it still is not the easiest route. So how do we, you know, take the ladder and bring it back down? But when you talk about discipline and, and continue to evolve your brand, it comes from constant research. It comes yeah. from connections. It comes from challenging yourself to even get on this podcast, which is not something that, that I can say that I'm used to doing. But in I'm this glad you did, though. You, you're dropping some great knowledge. Thank you. But it's not something that in, this, in my past, which I really do. It wasn't as a publicist, you don't always speak. You're behind the scenes. Right. So in this role, I have been much more a person in front of the camera and, and having more conversations and dialogue. But what it does is- You it seem to be really good at it. It doesn't seem like it's a, it seems really natural to me. Well, you're very sweet, Rob. But, but those are the things I think that you do, you practice, and it causes you to think. It causes I you learned to, to listen to Spelman Woman. I have a good one, too. So. <laughs> and it causes you to reflect, you know? And so, so I really say just continue to kind of read and, and dialogue and be in groups and committees and, you know, join organizations that help me to. Spelman continue. seems like it's very important to you. I know it's very important to my fiance. It's. It's the, you know, it's the first thing I knew when we, when we met, I knew Spelman was very important to her. So uh, what do you think is so, there's something really special about Spelman. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not denigrating any of the other black colleges. I don't want anybody to come after me. We would never do that. We would never do that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But I just know, like, I, I'm probably partial. I am partial because I have a Spelman woman in my life. But I, I haven't seen anything like Spelman and Morehouse and I'll put Howard in there. The way the, the the pride I've seen, and what do you think that what do you think that experience did for you to really help and set you up for success? I think it goes back to the the question you kind of asked me early on about about being authentic and knowing yeah. myself. You know, I grew up in a predominantly white area most of my life, so so Spelman was that moment where you recognized it wasn't just you that had these questions about yeah. your identity, um, about how you show up and how you present yourself. So, so that gave me that battery in my back to be proud of all those things. You know, when you start to talk about the diaspora, you start to learn about the accomplishments of black women, you know, in a very different way, you, you start to see how you are, are valued instead of devalued, you know, and how you are part of a, not only culture, but a, a world being advanced, you yeah. know, and you want to be a part of that legacy. You don't want to leave those gates and say, wait a minute. 
So I, I saw this happen, and whether they went to Spelman or not, once you learn about the legacy of Black women in the world and not just America and, yeah. and the impact that Black women have had on society, then you want to be a part of that narrative, you know, in, in any way possible. It's not about having the biggest job title, but it is about giving back and having service. And so if you don't leave Spelman not wanting to accomplish something and not wanting to give back, then I can't imagine what your experience was like. Because the minute you take ADW, which is African diaspora in the world, the minute yeah. you understand that blackness is not just right here, that it is global and not local, yep. and, that, and that you can affect something on a large scale, there's, there's, there's no way that you don't want to take that with you in every place you go. So I think, Rob, but you actually just answered the question for me again. So when I'm in these buildings, I'm like, it's my job to, to bring a global conversation yes. to, to this label, a global conversation and thought process to this artist and say, you exist beyond the city that you grew up in. You have a chance to affect change across the world. So I think those are the parallels that kind of come with you. Yeah. The reality of the conversation that I think we're having now is that if you can change the world, why not? And if you can have people around you help change the world, and if I can join these organizations that are changing the world and learn about them so I can continue to affect change, then that's yeah. what and you and and I, I am I must admit a little jealous of uh, the experience of my friends who went to historically black colleges. I I um, visited Howard <clears throat> recently. I've been there a few times. I, I went there as an undergrad just to have fun. But um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, and then I um, but I went back and just really tried to absorb it and just. And, and the amazing things that were accomplished in the midst of so much hate, so much racism, so much, so many obstacles. We still have obstacles, of course, but they're, they were worse then. I mean, they were much worse. And, 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 and to see what was accomplished in spite of that. And then beyond what you just said, <clears throat> I, I'm part of a program at the University of Cincinnati called the Emerging Ethnic Engineers. And when we first come in, we have, I think they borrow a lot from what historically black colleges do, but we, we, we took blacks in science. And that really changed my perspective when I learned how the pyramids were built in Hotep. Those were, those were black people, right? And then you don't, you, don't, you don't get that understanding in the world. So you have to literally unlearn what you've learned. Exactly, but, Rob. So you can learn the truth. And then that helps you get perspective. And it, do, and it does help your, your, your self-esteem because you, you do have these questions like, well, why is the world this way? How did this happen? You know, why, why is there not more of us? And there is more of us. There has been is the understanding of history, understanding of perspective that can really inform you. So you're absolutely right. And, uh, and so I didn't get that full experience. So I'm trying to, I'm, I'm experiencing it through a third party, but I also uh, respect and uh, really, re really love the, the passion and the excellence that I see out of Spelman. So I have to say that as we kind of go to our lightning round here. So what's an important truth you have that very few people would agree with you on? You know, I had a hard time with this question. Um, it's a hard question. <laughs> what, what I was going to say, and I, and I feel this way, is that it's the whole thing about work-life balance. And I say that the truth is there is no such thing as work-life balance. The truth is, is that you can have everything, but you have to also trust the village around you, if that makes sense. Um, you can't, and, I, and the reason I say that is because as I am 42 and single, and I think about the fact that I have not met the man that I'm going to marry yet, or maybe I haven't, I don't know it, that, that I, can, I can have that, but I also will have a career. And, and finding the balance is, I think, where we, where we I don't say we go wrong, um, because, because you definitely can have both things, but I think you have to trust that in having both things, 
you will have to, one will, one might, one might take over the other. Okay. There, you have to allow the village to, to take effect. And the reason I say that is because I, I, I brought this up because I have a best friend and I won't say her name, but she is a top lawyer. She is married. She has a kid that just got a, just graduated from college, um, two young children, a dog, like she has all of those things. And the balance has been that she's resilient. She's beautiful. Um, her husband travels a lot for work. Um, you know, she has a nanny. She has, she has all these things, but she has everything, but she's, she's allowed the village to take, to take ownership of their responsibility. And the reason I'm, I'm trying to get to the fact that, um, where I sit, I have a lot of women and I, I'm trying to say this for a reason. I have a lot of yeah. women at my, in my position, when I say position that women that are, that are my close friends that are in high positions at their company and they are also looking for, do I give up this to have this? And what I guess I'm trying to say is you, you don't have to give up anything, but the balance might be off, you know? Yeah. Um, I think maybe you have to help me with this. So, what, yeah. So I, w one of my favorite books is, uh, I forgot the author's name, but it's called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And what he says in there is you can, you can, you can do anything, but you actually can't do everything. And so there's there in life, there is, there, there's just trade-offs. There are no permanent solutions. There's just trade-offs. And so, and, and, and he really gets to the point of, uh, yes, I believe what you're talking about. You can certainly have a high power career and have a good relationship and have kids. Uh, the harder part when you talk about balancing it is figuring out how you, what you're going to trade off, what you say yes to, Mm -hmm. Everything you say yes to, you have to also balance it off in your life. That what are you say, what are you going to say no to? Because at the end of the day, you you still only have so much time, and you want to stay, and you and you want to stay sane, and you want to have some balance in terms of being able to just arrest your mind because you won't be effective otherwise. So, um, I, I think it's a constant journey. I actually want the book because I think those are the things that in my in my in my circle as I as I get older yeah. and group chats it's like, how do we figure out what to what to get rid of to what you just said um yeah. understanding that that you still want these things but again you're going to have to sacrifice there's going to have to be some things that don't that don't work in this in this perfect bubble and it kind of goes back to yep. what i was saying earlier about this this plan and this pathway yeah. of everything happening the way you want it to happen and even if you do have these things how you start to organize and prioritize in your life so well, I would look at it this way, not that I'm giving advice here, and uh, you got to get the book. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a great book, uh, but part of what it said, he gives the comparison of going through your old closet, mm -hmm. and, and, and people hold on to things. They're like, okay, like, maybe I want to wear this, but you haven't worn it in eight months, so it's better to get rid of it than to keep it because it's, it's weighing you down. Same thing with the things that you do. There are a lot of things we do in our life, and I'm guilty of all this that we don't have to say yes to, but we feel obligated to say yes to. So <clears throat> he goes through, this, through like the three E's. You, you do this for everything. You explore a lot, actually. So it doesn't mean you don't do something. You explore it. But the minute it doesn't align with your passion, your values, the next thing is you go to the next E and you eliminate it. And then for the very few, you execute. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's a great book. You should, you should have it. So, all right, uh, next question. You, you, uh, you have a committee of three, uh, living or dead, to advise you in business, life, whatever, relationships, whatever you want to say, who would these three people be and why? Okay. I'm very close to my mother and father, so they're just going to have to be in my advisory board no matter what. 
But yeah. the three people, um, Judy Smith, she is who Scandal is designed, crafted, the whole oh, show wow. about Judy Smith. And I met her um, last year. Um, she is a publicist. She is a crisis management expert. And I find myself often being the quote unquote Olivia Pope in certain situations. And when you meet someone like her and you realize how much grace she has and, and her, her just presence, she's very regal um, and understanding situations because there will be ebbs and flows in any situation. The same artist that you love may have a bad day. Um, yeah. You may have a bad day. Your corporation may have a bad day. And there's always ways that you kind of have to- You may have a bad year. 2020 has been a bad year for a lot of people, but go ahead. <laughs> thought it was great you know some people have found exactly of, you know solution and and no question so so you never know but it's something about that job J judy smith the olivia pope character that you know is a real person but also a real person in anyone's life so i think that having that person in your life is important um melody hobson oh um, yeah yep <laughs> she's, she's amazing she said something a while ago about when you walk into a room and if the room does not look reflective of society, then there's a problem. And I think that is the reckoning that a lot of companies are coming to terms with is that the rooms don't look the way they should and they should have looked this way a long time ago. So if you really want to grow now, if you really want your company to evolve, if you really want to be a better person, you're going to have to do a better job of making sure these seats look like what America really looks like. Yeah. Not this lens that you have decided it should look like, but what it should really look like. And I think about that when I walk into certain rooms because it also kind of lets you know where you're going to be starting from. Yeah. And it's a good thing too, by the way. It's not even, because I don't believe these companies do things because they're the right thing to do. It's the, it's the profitable thing to do. You will make more money, period. You're, 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 you're a personification of that, right? Hey. There you go. Um, and then James Baldwin. Um, I'm not sure if you saw I Am Not Your Negro. I did. I just saw it. Woo. Great. So, um, yeah, there, it's one thing to just be prolific, but, you know, everything he says shows you that history repeats itself. Yeah. So bad. And, or history and, hasn't left. As he said, history is now. It's history, history is, now. is right now. You can't, you can't have the present without the past and the two converge. I mean, you can, I, I watched I'm Not Your Negro and that could have been written yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday, Rob, yesterday. So there's something about that person um, and something about just, just a writer, someone who can, who can see life through that lens and, and explain it that way. I, yeah. I'm always- He was able to do it so well, right? I mean, he was able to really bring perspectives of Martin and Malcolm because people that are not studied think that they have, that they had a really large divergence. They really didn't, they were really close. They, 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 they did it first and they came this way and he really brought the whole, he brought it full circle and to say like, this is, this is, this is who we are as America. We have to, and I love how it ended. So spoiler alert, I'm going to say a lot of it. He said like the America's trajectory is going to go based upon how it treats black people. Period. Period. We can see it. So, and that's the same with corporations. And that's the same truth right now, isn't it? I mean, you look at what's going on and not to get too political. It's really easy to see if, if in this country, if we don't learn to actually respect black people as humans and humanize and make sure that we, that we are really treated, treated in an equal way. 
Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm co-signing. I, I agree with you. I'm yeah. saying you're about humanization. That's what I love the most. Yeah, right? humanization and, 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 and understand us as equals and give equity as you would to your fellow human. Um, that is going to determine how far or if we don't go far or if we implode. I do think that is the central, you know, if you look, just go down a rabbit hole for two seconds. Uh, when Russia did their information campaign, a lot of their focus was focused on racial resentment and mm -hmm. racism. That was for a reason. They right. know that if we could go out, they know that we'll implode that way if we go after each other that way. That's why they did it. Mm -hmm. And simple. that continues to be everyone's tactic. That continues to be what Trump uses as his main yep. foundation, his base, is what you just said. And that yep. is the reckoning, you know? Yep. Like, and that's holding them back too. <laughs> I mean, what it is is blinding everybody to that. That's what we're trying to get everybody to say. Like, this is take off the blinders. Yeah. Take off the blinders, please. Uh, yep. So, uh, final question. You have a uh, Google ad or a billboard that says your theme, your belief in life, a saying that you hold on to. What is that saying or theme and why? It still remains show up as you are. Every time I'm successful, it's because I showed up as I was. Anytime I overthink it, even this interview, then then I start to lose who I am. The minute I just say, you know what, just go with your gut. Go with what, what is on your heart, then everything tends to be okay. And I think sometimes you might have sleepless nights because you're getting ready for a presentation or you overthink what you want to say in a meeting. You're like, well, who's going to react? But when you do that, you, you leave because it's something that festers inside of you because you didn't let that person out. So what I've learned over time is the best Felicia is the one that shows up as I am. And I'm never not necessarily prepared because these are things that are in, in um, what am I trying to say? These are things that are um, internal at this point. It's, in, it's intrinsic to who I am. I, sure. I know these things. So instead of overthinking it, instead of um, trying to figure out the best way to, to pocket it so that it's palatable for someone else, I just have to be okay with understanding that, that you showing up as you are is the best person. Plus you've earned the right to show up as you are. You know, I have done enough. I have, um, no more imposter syndrome. You are, you, you, to you be deserve this. Person. Thank you. So that is probably the billboard is just show up as you are. Yeah. All right. Felicia Fed. I really enjoyed having you on the show. It was great.